You're listening to Parenting Our Future with certified parent coach, Robin McMahon, author of The Yelling Cure and founder of Parenting for Connection. My podcast is all about providing you with the tools and solutions you need in your parenting so you can create the family you always wanted. Hey, everybody. It's Robin McMahon here. Welcome back to Parenting Our Future. Well, today we're talking about a really kind of a heavy subject. We're talking about narcissists. We're talking about how, if you're in a relationship with them, how hard it can be. And I have an expert on today, and her name is Tripta Neb Bukovich. And she's here as, and she's an abuse recovery coach because she has been through it. Her ex-husband is a narcissist, and she really struggled over the years. So let me tell you just a little bit about her first. So she was a successful organizational development consultant, an awesome executive coach, and of course, the life of the party. I love that. Um, And a mother of two gorgeous boys. She's also the victim of some narcissistic abuse. So after 16 years with this man, she was realizing that she was secretly living for somebody else. And she realized that she could only change, that only she could change her situation. So she began to seek out different kinds of support to help her make sense of the chaos and the hurt in her life. So she's done the work and fast forward to today, she now has another child, a seven-year-old daughter, um, and she lives happily with her husband and um, her daughter, Ella Grace, and, uh, and they live in, uh, in Dwight, Ontario. So I just want to thank you so much for being here. Thank you for helping us with this, because I'll tell you what, I have had many, many clients that have said that they are married to or are separated from or divorced from a narcissist, and, um, and they're really hurt by it, really hurt by it. It is. It's, it's, uh, it's not an easy situation. And even if you've divorced your narcissist and you think you've moved on and that's the end of the story, unfortunately, it's not. And especially if you share children, it's, it, it really doesn't end. Um, there's this ongoing battle of power for a narcissist. Ongoing. So, can we define what a narcissist is? I think we should start there. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to also. So thank you for that, because I think it's a it's a very callously used term today. Yes. And, uh, and, you know, the reality is that we all have a certain amount of narcissism in us. Mm. So it's, it's not that we're all problem people. Right. And it's not like all relationships have to end up uh, with an issue of narcissism in it. Narcissism is a problem the minute it so it's, it's on a spectrum. So the minute it crosses a certain amount in in a person's being where they are compelled to constantly promote themselves or put somebody else down so that they can feel better about themselves, that's when it's a disorder and that's when it's a problem. Because a, a, a narcissist who has a disorder is actually missing the empathy connection. Because it's not only with one individual, they are missing that empathy connection in their life. So for them, the expression of narcissism, if, if, you, if you actually can understand this, is survival for them. Because oh, interesting. So if you can imagine that, you know, we all need a sense of belonging. We all need a sense of self-worth to be able to survive. 
a narcissist gets that sense of self-worth externally. And because they miss the empathy connection, they don't, they don't have the ability to draw on it internally, which is why they act out in the way they do. Now, you could feel sorry for a narcissist uh, thinking, you know, with, with this background in mind. However, the relationship and the impact a narcissist can have on everybody else around them is devastating. Mm -hmm. So it's, I, I feel sorry for all narcissists, but I have to make sure that I can take care of myself first before I can start empathizing or go beyond empathy with the narcissist. So you just said that it can be devastating for everybody around them. How so? Because it's all about them always? It's always about them. It doesn't matter whether it's a child, whether it's a parent, whether it's a partner, whether it's a friend, whether it's a subordinate at work. Uh, it is always about them. So as I said, if you can imagine that you constantly need a sense of survival and a sense of well-being, and there is nothing in your life that gives that to you except by putting, it putting the next person down. Ooh. So, and that's the only way they get it. So it, it, they, they, they go into manipulative, controlling, disorderly behavior. So when I say disorderly, as in it's disruptive behavior, it, there's a lot of gaslighting. There could be manipulation. There's malignant narcissists who are physically abusive, sexually abusive. I mean, the, 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 the abuse actually, unfortunately, knows no bounds. Um, and which is why the only thing that you can really do with a narcissist is put as much distance as you can between yourself and that person. Okay. So let me ask you this though. So what you're saying, okay. Okay. Let me just recap what you just said. So this is really because they have a lack of empathy, but this also sounds to me like it comes from a deep insecurity, yeah. deep, deep insecurity where- deep insecurity they have to be uh the center of attention celebrated um but but maybe not even celebrated they they just need to be the center of attention because they can also get negative attention and feed off of that is that also true totally. yeah. so you have different types of narcissists okay you have an uh the three most common if you would like to uh, say one is an overt narcissist so an overt narcissist is the kind of person that we all tend to think of when we talk about narcissism yeah but social climbers it's the dress it's the way they look they want to be the center of attention and 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 they you know butter wouldn't melt in their mouth but they would be yeah so um and then you have the malignant narcissist the malignant narcissist is actually the one who gets quite physically abusive. So they, they come from an overt narcissist has a false sense of grandiose about them. And it, it does, they don't recognize their insecurity at all. Uh, they think that they're just fabulous people, right? Um, mm -hmm. And everybody else is beneath them. So they lack self-awareness too. Yeah, totally. Security, no self-awareness, yeah. uh, no empathy for those that they have hurt. Yeah, none. You could be, I, I, I would be crying uh, tears and the next one, you didn't say sorry to me. <laughs> yeah, okay. 
you know, so it, yeah, there's, there's zero awareness of anybody else's emotions. Okay. So, you, um, and then the malignant narcissist is, is, is not the grandiose. They can have that, but they are understated in their expression. They don't necessarily want to be social climbers whilst they secretly want to be, but they won't openly be social climbers. Mm -hmm. Um, but they would more preen themselves in terms of their body, the way they look. Uh, you will find that people who have an obsession, and I will, I will use the word obsession. So people who have an obsession with their body and bodybuilding, which is beyond health and fitness, which is beyond healthy levels of uh, uh, obsessions with their fitness levels. I can guarantee you that they're they're higher on the spectrum of narcissism okay you know it, it's it's something that you will find so the third type that you have is the covert narcissist now the covert narcissist is the antithesis of the overt narcissist and that is they don't have a sense of grandiose they actually feel extremely victimized they've they've been victimized their entire lives uh, and they, they, but they've always carried this thing to say, I'm brilliant. I don't know why I'm being victimized. Uh, so there is that combination of brilliance, but yet, uh, and they're also introverted for whatever reasons in their lives. They haven't really gone out or have the confidence to, to go out and claim the grandiose like an overt narcissist would. Wow. So with these, with the covert narcissists, uh, it's actually quite insidious because they, when you meet them for the first time, they will say everything that you would love to hear. Mm. And then the sense of insecurity after a certain amount of time, the insecurity starts building. And the only way they can get over their insecurity is by putting you down. So they're constantly gaslighting you, constant. It's, it's, and they are the most manipulative of the three. Really? Okay. Okay. So here's what I, you know, this is so interesting. Okay. I want to, I want to, I want to um, sidestep for a second because okay. How do they get that way? How and and I have people who I who think their kids are narcissists. Yeah. And it's very confusing because of course kids are self-centered because that's just the way they are for the so I hear that a lot. Like I think my kids are narcissist. I also hear I think my kids a psychopath, but that's a different story altogether. <laughs> so so let's talk about that. Like where do, where does this all come from? It sounds like there there's a brain component here. It sounds like there's a uh a, a confidence component here. So so let's talk about kids and where it comes from, please. Sure. So whilst I'm not a psychologist. As a, but I have read uh, a lot into this area, yeah. primarily because not only did is my ex-husband a malignant narcissist, um, his mother is an overt narcissist. Oh, geez. Yeah. Okay. Right. So um, I first started thinking that all our issues were thanks to her. But mm. the fact that I couldn't, at the time, I didn't know enough uh, about narcissism to say, hmm, actually he carries these traits too, or he carries malignant narcissistic traits, because I didn't know that there were different types of narcissists, right? 
Now, if I, if I think about the upbringing and the research that I've done, so as a malignant narcissist, uh, as, a, as, a, sorry, as an overt narcissist for a mother, that woman actually honestly cared about nobody. Mm -hmm. um, I haven't seen pictures of my ex-husband as a kid or oh. his brother. I didn't see them around their house. Um, I didn't see them anywhere. There were no pictures. Can you imagine that? So did she raise him to be a narcissist? Is that a thing? So that, yes. So I would say- Nature versus nature, right? That's what I'm trying to get at here. Yeah. There is, a, there is supposed to be, a, you know, a nature element in it. Yeah. But uh, so far, majority of the research points in the direction of nurture as opposed to nature. Really? Even in, even in nurture, there are, ah, oh, I wish there was a handbook to raise kids correctly, but there isn't. I have one. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. <laughs> For sure. So, you know, so if you, uh, the research shows that you have, narcissism comes out of, in kids, comes out of two situations. One, if they have been, um, set up for grandiose too much, then they can't deal with the failure or shall I say lack of success around them. So if they've constantly been overpraised, over-recognized, then that's all that they're looking for, right? So my mother actually gave me a very interesting piece of advice the day my first son was born. And she was like, Chukta, your kid only knows what you teach it. It's a blank, a child is a blank sheet of paper when they're born. Mm -hmm. So if you've taught your child that grandiose and success and reward is only through recognition and recognition is the only way to be, then recognition is all that they're going to expect. Mm -hmm. And if you think about what an overt narcissist does, that's all they want. They constantly want that recognition right? Then you have, um, so, okay, so sorry, sorry, let me just, uh, I just want to say, so if you have a child though, who, for, for people listening, right, who is demanding, who is always wanting attention on them, who is always turning things around to be that, to, to be, um, about them, who never takes responsibility for themselves, who, um, let's see what else, uh, you know, deny, it like takes no, it takes no accountability. So is that, is that going in the direction of a narcissist? Is that a personality disorder? I mean, I know you're not a psychologist, but I'm just trying to get to like, what, what is it that we could see in kids that might be a warning sign? Um, I would say the extent of growing, grow, and I would use the word growing, uh, self-centeredness, unchecked self-centeredness okay, okay. Uh, would be a sign. Yeah. Um, 
Well, and, and so what I understand is that when it comes to a narcissist uh, and the way you raise your children, really, if you are raising them in an intentional way where you're honoring feelings and needs, you don't run your own agenda in terms of like you're, you're using grandiose ideas and grandiose praise and all that kind of stuff. But if you're really, um, the, really the conscious parent that, um, that, you know, the, the type of parenting I live and I teach, mm-hmm. um, that you can help your child, if they have these sort of tendencies, you can really parent that out of them. For sure. Yes. Um, you know, um, you have to watch for the signs. And I think the best thing is really um, that kids today, and I would say in the last 20 years, even more so, they are not, you know, they either they're taught that success is the only thing. And if you don't get success, then you're a failure. Right. And that's a hard, that's a harsh learning because we have successes in life and we have failures in life, but we don't spend enough time um, educating our children or teaching our children how to manage those failures. Mm -hmm. Right. We're only trying to say that success is be all and end all. And if you don't get success, then you're a failure. So that's that one balance I think is really important for parents uh, to strike is you, you show them how to succeed in life, but you also equally show them how to manage failure because they are, it is going to happen. Right. Well, and that means you have to look in the mirror yourself and say, you know, can I accept my own failure? You know, um, because that's really, you gotta, you gotta be able to, to recognize. And I, this is something I say all the time that, that failure is a shared human experience. So we don't get to live this life without lots of failure, lots of falling flat on our, you know what, right? Like, absolutely. Absolutely. Right. And they've got to, they've got to know it. it's okay. Right. They, but if you fall and you stumble and fail and you blame everybody else or you play the victim your entire life and need to get your pound of flesh out of everybody because you suffered and failed, then that is a problem, right? Absolutely. Gotcha. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, so I guess, you know, to sort of answer the, the question about the kids, so you can see some of these traits in kids. Um, but it also, uh, the way you parent them, it makes a big difference. For sure. And, and there's got to be a connection to, there's got to be a brain connection to that may also, because I, I, I think there's got to be a way that even if you have a child that may have those tendencies and you parent them the best way that you know how, you know, as consciously, as intentionally as you can, they may still end up that way. And the way I look at that and, and tell me if I'm, I'm right or wrong is that, you know, then it's up to them. It's life that's going to hand them those lessons. I no longer need to try to balance that for you, right? Would you for, agree? For sure. So I think particularly if you are, if you, if, if the child has one parent who's a narcissist, yeah, yeah, the one who isn't, mm-hmm. then they are seeing that behavior, right? Um, and then you, as the parent who's not a narcissist, what are you doing? So you can't compensate for the narcissistic parent. You cannot do it. I made that mistake. It's mm-hmm. so a, nothing's going to change with the narcissist. B you, what, what you're effectively doing is you're telling a child that their other parent is wrong or bad. That's not right? Yeah. And to me, I feel that ruins, you know, children are, their relationships going forward in life are a product of your, 
your relationships as a parent, right? So whilst you can't change the parent who's a narcissist, you yourself can definitely set an example of being a role model in the right way. Yes. Okay. This is life, right? Um, Is that a hundred percent guarantee that they will be safe as children? No, it's not. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But that unfortunately is the only thing that you can do is you can be a role model in the hope that they will follow you rather than following the narcissist. Yeah. So there is this sort of almost genetic component to it, right? That you, it's it's nature versus nurture, right? So your chances of being more narcissistic is uh, based on whether it's been modeled for you as well, right? Yes. And, And I totally agree with you because what I've always said and what I know to be true is that it just takes one. It just takes one, um, one parent to be the difference, to be the change maker. But, but let's talk about you. Like, how did you get to a place where when you were parenting, so I know you had a horrible experience and your parent, you're co-parenting now, your yeah. two boys with a narcissist. Oh my goodness. That must tell me how that was. What, what were the kinds of things that you had to struggle with? So first, the first struggle was that, um, I wanted to be the nice person, the nice parent. So I was almost like maintaining a moral high ground, which is not the best thing for you. That was part of my recovery when I divorced, but unfortunately that backfired for my kids. So lesson number one that I learned is trying to be nice is not something that you can do uh, with a narcissist because you can, if you say right, they will say left. If you say up, they will say down. So you can't nice nice them out of it. You can't love them out of it. it. You can't change them. Nope. Okay. Okay. They will not change, not therapy, no threats, no legal, nothing, nothing changes them. Right. So one of the biggest mistakes I made at the time was even though I had a, a divorce agreement where I had full custody of both my boys, full custody. I owed the man nothing. I didn't stick to my divorce agreement. I allowed the children to see their father as and when their father wanted. So he still had control. And he would do things like he had still had no respect for my time. He had no respect for the fact that I was actually allowing this for the benefit of the boys. Right. Uh, Or so I thought, but (laughs) actually, you know, hindsight is 2020. The reality is whilst I thought that, yes, it would benefit the boys, but I did it more for me being the nice person. See what am I am allowing this. Mm-hmm. So that it made me feel as though I was in control because one of the fallouts from uh, narcissism on, on the person, the victim of the abuse is that their sense of self is so decimated that you, you, you also try and, you know, you're almost like the narciss- the covert narcissist trying to get a sense of self and trying to feel better about yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. And it comes out in, in ways that you won't even imagine. And this was my folly is I wanted to be 
you know, Miss Nice. Okay, mm -hmm. you're done, divorce is done, off you go. I'm still nice about it. Look, world, I'm the nice one, right? <laughs> look, at how, look at how woke I am. Look at how mature I am, right? Look at how uh, evolved I am, right? Exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah, got you. Oh my gosh, that makes so much sense. I would fall into that trap. I totally would. I totally would. Okay, but here's the thing. Here is where I have I have seen great pain from from a clients that I that I've worked with moms moms particularly quite honestly, um, and they will say things like, "How do I handle it when?" you know, my husband, it, everybody thinks my husband is wonderful. My ex-husband is wonderful. And he's taking the kids to Disneyland and they love it so much. But here I am at home, I'm working my butt off. I'm trying to pay the bills. I, you know, I, I don't want any of his money because, you know, that means control, but he's the fun parent. And I am the stressed out, overwhelmed, overworked mom over here it just doesn't feel fair to me. How do you reconcile that? How? I was actually in that exact same spot yeah. uh, because my ex-husband stopped paying child support. Um, I wish the rest of the world didn't know, but he stopped paying child support. And then, and then you would say it and, and then he would discount it, right? And nobody would believe you, right? I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they do oh. that. But I, I stopped, I stopped looking for uh, belief. It took me a while, but I stopped looking for belief from other people. I realized uh, uh, the manipulation that a narcissist does and only the people on the inside really know what's going on. So yes. I stopped looking for validation from anybody else. I said, oh, he said that. Interesting. Okay. Hmm. Hmm. And I found that, you know, the more you shrug it off, um, the less they will talk to you about it. One, the more you shrug it off, the less ammunition you actually mm -hmm. give the narcissist because that they are looking for that ammunition. Yeah. Yeah. Right. They're looking for that reaction. They want to know that they can still get to you. Yeah. So don't take the bait. Don't take the bait. But then what about your kids? What about no. your kids? That's you and that's other people, yeah. right? So with, with my kids, um, so when I divorced, my younger one was 2008. So he was just about uh, a little over eight years old. And my older one was 11 at the time, right? Mm -hmm. By the time they got to the age of 16, my younger one didn't want to have anything to do with me. Okay. Okay. Because in my household, there were rules to be followed. Yeah. There were norms to be followed. He was, I was bringing him up to be a responsible young lad, right? Which means you do your chores, you talk politely, you behave nicely, you are accepting. And I, I used to live in a very entitled place of the world, which is Dubai. So Dubai means kids are expecting the highfalutin life of being chauffeured everywhere. And, and I'm like, sorry, buddy, that's not happening. <laughs> Get on the bus. Bus? Yep, you take the bus. No, I want money for a cab. Um, no, earn, earn your money and hey, pay for it, right? So there would be these kind of tussles would happen with me at home, especially with my younger one. And whilst his father, because he would only go there for weekends. And like you said, you know what? 
there's no sense of responsibility. They're only there for the weekend. So you're doing all the disciplining, you're doing the actual parenting. They're just doing the fun stuff. Yeah. So my son at one point actually had, he hadn't done some of his work. I'd grounded him for, I think about two or three weeks. He was just getting grounded one after the other. And he wanted to go for this party. And I said, sorry, buddy, you're not going for this party. I went to school to pick him up. He wasn't there. He left a note with a friend to say, I'm going for this party and you can do what you want with me after. And he was gone. Wow. <laughs> and he came home and he went straight to his father's because he knew what would happen if he came home. I told his father what he had done. And I said, I would urge you to send him home. That would be the right thing to do. Right? Uh -huh. He's, his results are not good. There are complaints from his school. He's not finishing his schoolwork and he's run off for this party. Not acceptable to me. Right. And it shouldn't be acceptable to you. He refused. He actually gave him shelter. Of course right. he did. Right? He did. And thereafter, he actually convinced the boy to leave my home and move to him. Okay. So I said, okay. You know, at the age of 16, if a boy says, I want to go to my father's house, whether I legally have custody or not, it's, it's a battle. Okay. So I sat my son down and I said, here's the thing. In my house, these are the norms. And yes, you need to follow these norms 100%. Otherwise you cannot be in this home. It was that simple. Mm -hmm. I said, if you want to go to your father's, you're more than welcome to go to your father's, but just, I would suggest you ask him, what can you expect from him in his home? I said, so far, you've only been visiting him every alternate weekend. I said, he does, hasn't had the need to take responsibility for you. When you move there, that's going to be a whole different ballgame. I suggest you check. And I said, I suggest you check with his wife as well to see as to how that's going to pan out. Okay. Okay. I'll check. He checked. So he said, but I don't think he did. Whatever happened, uh, he says, I'm moving. I said, okay, we went to the court. I handed over custody because I, as I had learned that keeping any kind of ties, which was not black and white, was just so difficult to manage the relationship with the father. So I had custody. But that must have been scary for you to, to let your son go and live with him and his wife which we haven't even talked about, um, uh, because if he's failing in school and all that, you know, I think most parents uh, and uh, most parents would say, I know I got to I got to keep him even closer. I'm going to keep my son even closer, but you let him go. That must have been so scary. It was incredibly hard, but I, I realized that I had no choice. So mm -hmm. I had up until that time, you know, I had done everything wrong. When I say I've done everything wrong, I did say, see, your father didn't do this. See, your father hasn't paid. See, your blah, 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 blah. Well, I should not have done that. Right. I thought that they, you know, by the time they got to the age of 14 and 15, that they were old enough to know the truth behind our divorce. Right. That's what I thought. Right. That I was wrong. Even at that age, they're still not old enough to mm -hmm. actually know and understand the truth. Totally. I should have at that point just said, that's your dad. Yeah. I am me. This yeah. is my home. Yeah. These are my norms. Yeah. This is how this, these are my boundaries. And mm. 
help them understand what boundaries are. Um, I didn't, I failed at that, but I do that now with my seven-year-old. Right. Okay. But so when your son went to live and, and okay, hold on, let me go back a second because what, what you just said, those are all really good coping statements and statements that you, that you, I know that you're going to, you're going to teach us to, to use with a narcissist. Um, and now I'm just so like uh, caught up in your story. I want to know what happened with your son when he went to go and live with them. So what happened there? He went, yeah, six months. He was like, can I please come back? And I was like, sorry, buddy. You said no. Yeah. No. Why? Um, the biggest reason for me to say no was Yoshan needed to learn that his decisions had consequences and he has to live by those consequences. I tried to share those results and those consequences. I tried to get him to consider, you know, his decision-making and his consequences. And, you know, that's life. Okay. So if I, if I let him, okay, it's not working at my dad's today. I'm going to go to my mom. Oh, it's not working at my mom's today. I'm going to go to my dad. What am I teaching him? Life doesn't work like that. We as parents might be able to say, yeah, okay, come on in. But you know what? Once it gets to a certain stage, even a certain age in their life, even as parents, you stop doing that. Mm. So why, why, don't, why aren't we teaching them that? Mm. Okay. okay. Right? Okay. So uh, that was my first reason. And the second reason really was, um, you know, the, the legalities uh, yeah. behind all of this. I have custody. I'm struggling with four court cases because that's what a narcissist will do after the divorce, after full custody, after everything was sorted, four years gap. When I got pregnant with Ella, suddenly I I was dealing with four court cases from my ex-husband. Right? So, uh, and I'm going, okay, so here's the custody because I can't fight you and your father. At this age, no court will will stand by my side and say, your 16-year-old son wants to go to their father and the father wants the 16-year-old son, they're going to be together. That's that. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. And you could be in, in, in whichever part of the world, Western, Eastern, it doesn't matter because at that age, that's what courts are going to do anywhere you are. Okay. And so now he is, so now he's, he's gone. He's gone to his father, the legal proceedings, the custody has been handed over. So I've cut one more cord, right? Because I don't want any connection with the father beyond what is necessary. And the only thing that's necessary is I'm picking up the child at this time or, or I'm dropping off the child at this time. This is his progress in school or this is his failures in school, or he has this assignment, he's coming to you, these are the assignments that need to be done. You know, that is all. And I, I would just absolutely discourage any conversation about the father. Mm-hmm. I also st- stopped looking at all the innuendos that would come across in the emails and, you know, they the underhanded, they'd slip in a point to say, oh, you know, you're so negative all the time. That's why he's reactive. Whatever. Yeah. The digs. I learned to let that go. 
I had learned not to take the bait on anything that he said. Okay. So here's what I want to know. Your son now is in his twenties and what did he learn from that experience? And, and, and did that damage your relationship? It damaged our relationship. And I think it also damaged him. Um, so he when has, he went, all- sorry, can I clarify it? Uh, the, the time that he spent with his dad damaged the relationship and damaged him or the fact that you wouldn't take him back or both. I would say all of it. So especially with my second son, um, firstly, his pregnancy was not a good pregnancy because I found out that his father was having a first, his first affair when I was seven months pregnant with him. Mm. So he's gone through trauma, I would say, even as a fetus. Mm. Then he's seen the trauma uh, uh, till the time he was eight. Yeah, he, so it's in a cellular level. He was a very, very angry child. Okay. Very angry child. Um, I, uh, that also, unfortunately, uh, shall I say, kind of dictated the way I parented him. And which is, I, was, I, I, I allowed him to take extra liberties because I always felt guilty of his mm-hmm. pregnancy. I always felt guilty of his initial years of upbringing and the strife that he had seen in our relationships and all of that. And, and that is where I think that, you know, if you as a parent, if you have any kind of incomplete, unresolved issues within yourself, then that's going to come out in your parenting oh, and totally. not in a healthy way. <laughs> I talk about it all the time. Yeah. You're bringing all your past stuff into your parenting and your kids are going to show up as just being kids, but they're going to trigger you in ways that you never could have. Yeah. And And we tend to also overcompensate for situations like this. And which is where I'm saying you can never compensate or make up for something or someone else. You can only stay focused on being you and trust that everything that you have said and done, whether it's right or wrong, it came from a good place. So there's nothing wrong in saying I was not in a good situation then and explain that to your child and actually say, I'm sorry. Okay. Now can we, let's recover and do this together. Mm -hmm. And that is eventually what came down to with Yoshan and me as well. So when he moved away, when he was that angry, the other thing that I wouldn't do is I wouldn't even let him come and see his sister because my norm was very straightforward. I said, you will be allowed in this house as long as you have love and respect to show. I said, I have no other expectations of you. Mm-hmm. I just need you to be able to show love and respect to every member in this family, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. including your father, including your stepmother, including my husband, including your stepfather, your sister, your mother. You talk with love and respect. To people around you. If you cannot do that, I for one don't wish to talk to you. You know, look, uh, okay, I, 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 I totally get everything that you're saying. And I, and I also think that, gosh, that's just so hard because it, I mean, I can time to get there because yeah, I can think of myself. True. Let's like, I, I have two boys too. Yeah. And you know, if I were to divorce my husband and he, he treated me like yours and I, and I had to deal with all of that stuff. I mean, I would, I would be devastated to, to, to not have my kids with me. 
Um, and I know a lot of moms that are listening would say the same thing, like easier said than done. I don't know that I would want to let them go. I'd be so scared to let them go. So you had to find it within yourself somehow to be strong. I, I don't know. I, I think that's probably where people keep getting re-victimized by a narcissist because they don't yeah. want that for their kids. They want the best for their kids. And they know if they're with this narcissist that they're not going to get the best for their kids. So I don't know how, I don't know how to make sense of that. Yeah, the only way to make sense of that and, and trust and believe is that you need to have boundaries for yourself, which, which can't be crossed by anybody because they are your boundaries, your boundaries that make you whole and complete as an individual. Mm -hmm. And that is what you need. We need to be able to teach our children as well so that they are not abused, manipulated in any way by anybody. Right. Parents manipulate children for crying out loud with the best of intentions. Yeah. Yeah. Right? yeah. Normal parents manipulate children with the best of intentions. hundred percent. There's nothing wrong with that. Right. Or we think that there's nothing wrong with that. So children don't really know how to set boundaries for themselves. You know, if you go back to bullying in school, what is bullying in school? It is where narcissism starts. It is where you'll see an empath developing that empath ability to say, of, of putting up with abuse. It's the same thing. So when we teach our children about bullying in school, what are we doing? We're saying that those are your boundaries. Don't let anybody push your boundaries. Stand up for yourself. It's the same thing. So why is it different for you as a parent? It is no different. You're only modeling what you want your kids to learn for themselves in life. Now, the difference really is how you go about modeling this. How do you go about communicating it? Now, if you're communicating it with frustration and anger, that means you haven't resolved things within yourself, right? Yeah. My, my communication with Yoshan at that time, so when it got to that point, was very, very calm and peaceful. And I would always reassure him to say, you know, buddy, when your chips are down and you ever need a listening ear, I'm here for you. You need support, I'm here for you. These doors are open to you, but, and there's only one condition, love and respect. That's mm -hmm. it. I have no other conditions. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a very basic value uh, that we as parents need to teach our kids. Mm -hmm. So he fought it initially and he like, but I want to see my sister. And I'm like, sure, you know, she goes to the park at so-and-so time. Oh, but I can't do it at that time. I want to come and see her at the house. And I'm like, sure, you're welcome. You're more mm -hmm. than welcome. Just remember to bring love and respect along. Right. Now, now that they're older um, and, and you have mended the relationships with them and you have a good relationship with them now, how do they, what do they think about their dad? Because my, and I'm going to tell you what I think first is that I think that you don't get away with it for that long. I think if you are a narcissist, people figure it out, right? Um, so have they figured it out? Yes, unfortunately they have. Mm -hmm. Um, and it is so devastating for them to realize that to, initially the narcissist manages to convince them, manipulate them um, in their thinking as they're growing, but there comes a point when they see through it, right? Mm -hmm. um, 
my younger son, so my, my ex-husband lost his job uh, in Dubai in, in December. When was this, two years ago? My son was in grade 12, his final year. He had few months left to finish his final year of school. And he turned around and sent him to me in Canada. And I'm like, he's got one term left, right? This child needs to finish his final year in school. I can't afford it, which is a whole bunch of lies. But when he sent that kid here, and then he, he basically dumped Yoshan back on me. Uh, Yoshan realized then the games that he had played and everything that he had done. Mm, I see. And he said to me very clearly, I, now I understand everything that you've been through and you've been saying. Mm. Mm. And so that's when you transitioned to being the emotional coach for him, the support for him and just be there to pick up the pieces for him and give him empathy, right? And I, uh, given our relationship, I can't coach my own son. There's, there's too much baggage uh, and there are too many uh, uh, emotional ties involved. So I actually put him, I recommended. So even though we're mending our relationship and it's, it's growing stronger as yeah, we go. It was only two years ago, right? So yeah. take time, yeah. Right? But uh, so I, I still want him. I'm aware that you can't be that closely connected, emotionally connected to an individual and not let the bias come in. So to ensure that he had full support, um, I actually put him on to counseling. I actually put him on to uh, a, a, oh, an awesome tool called quantum healing. Uh, it's an NLP based tool. Ooh. And as Yoshan's descriptions of that is, I just feel so much lighter now. Mm. Oh, we all want to feel that way. <laughs> and he's, can you imagine a, 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 a 21 year old young lad or nearly 21 year old young lad saying, I feel so much lighter, mom. Thanks. Mm. Wow. So here's, here's what every, everything that I've heard you say, <clears throat> you know, first that there, that we've got those three different types of narcissists and that there is a nature versus nurture kind of a thing here at play when it comes to um, <laughs> the growing of a narcissist, yeah. right? Yeah. And that and that being an intentional, empathetic, uh, conscious parent can definitely help by keeping them accountable, keeping them, um, you know, uh, you know, having not having grandiose expectations, like you said, um, and uh, and and just keeping keeping it real with them, right? Um, but that when it comes to you in the relationship with a narcissist, when you have broken up, right? Like you said, and, and you're feeling the pressure in your own community with your friends. And, and, you know, I'm, I, I keep picturing a soccer practice, oh, right? Sure. Where he's on one side, you're on the other side and people are, you know, he's telling people about you and they're coming to you saying, you know, I know he said this about you and for you to say, oh, okay. Great. So for you to just not buy into it, not ever take the bait, not ever take it personally, just say, oh, okay. Uh-huh. So just diffuse it immediately because that is where they get their fuel and their power from that fuels their exactly. ego, the narcissism in them. And you 
the only thing you can do is your part, which is to not get hooked up in it, to not take the bait, right? When it comes, okay. to, your, when it comes to your kids, you're never throwing your husband, ex-husband, ex-partner, whoever it is, wife, to under the bus. You are only ever saying, okay, well, that's dad. You know what? Sometimes things are hard for dad or, you know. No, 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 no. Oh, 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 okay. So no justifications for him. Uh, okay, gotcha. None. That's just dad. That's, that's just dad. dad. Okay. That's his home, his, his norms, his family, his. That's Whatever. just dad. And I expect this. Is that kind of more. I am me. Correct? I am different. These are my expectations. When you're in my environment, you will live with my expectations. So you've got to decide what your boundaries are, what your values are first. Right? Absolutely. And then what your boundaries are, and then you stick to them <laughs> come hell or high water, right? You stick to them no matter what. And that means that you may, you may push your children away temporarily. Yeah. Right. Unfortunately, in order for you to keep your, your own integrity, your own, you know, to not continue to dishonor yourself yes right absolutely because by you yes yes okay no i really get that and i think that makes a lot of sense so what needs to happen is you need to you need to heal yourself and that's really what you are all about is the ways to heal your own self because again that's all you can control you can't control the other stuff and i love everything that you said like yep Yep. That's just him. It's not personal. Like I think I would have to sort of sit like rocking myself in the corner. Like it's not personal. It's not personal. It's not personal. Or I'm not going to let him get to me. I'm not going to let him get to me. But then it's the journey of self-discovery that you help women with. And that's so awesome. It's so awesome. And so they can find you and you put them through a process where they do what? So it depends on where they are in their journey. Um, of recovery, right? Um, typically, my process begins with people who've already decided that they are going to take hold of their lives because only, only I can decide to not be manipulated anymore. Only I can take my steps in stopping my abuse. Nobody else can do it for me. So people that I work with have to have taken that decision and have to have that sense of accountability. Mm-hmm. Right. Once they ha- once they're there, then helping them rediscover their identity, helping them zero in on their values as of today, because this kind of an experience changes you completely. You 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 don't recognize yourself anymore. If you look yeah. in the mirror and you're going, you know, so who are? I didn't you? let this happen, right? How did I let this happen? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. So, so rediscovering their identities, identifying with their values one more time. Um, Also, once that is done, we look at, you know, we've developed defense mechanisms and we found ways to hide our vulnerabilities, whereas accepting and acknowledging our vulnerabilities, you know, we're born vulnerable. We are vulnerable in our entire life and we die vulnerable. if there's something that we need to accept is, is actually accept our vulnerabilities because that makes us, it's very much a part of us. And the more you hide it, the more you're not a true to yourself, B 
Why are you hiding it? Because the minute you're hiding a vulnerability, you're giving a manipulation tool to somebody else. That could be anybody. Right, right. Wow. Okay. I think I could talk to you all day long. <laughs> I, I, there's, there's more questions I have. So, you know, maybe we'll, we'll, we'll talk again because I think, you know, there's other, there's other areas that this comes into play. Like what if my parents are uh, narcissists? What if my in-laws are narcissists? What if, you know, all of these different things, right? Um, the, the, they definitely can affect our lives. So I want us to leave it here, but I want people to know that you are so generous and you have a masterclass for everybody just to help them get started on their journey of healing. For sure. Uh, tell, can you tell us a little bit about what you've given everybody uh, listening. So the masterclass really is, uh, I've identified six key mindsets that we need to have uh, that will help us in our recovery, right? And it's important to find out, A, what those mindsets are, where are you in that mindset, uh, what level are you at? So it's a simple self-assessment between a zero to a 10. But once you've kind of identified what level you're at, it also shows you ways on how you can actually pick and choose what your next steps are going to be. So how do you want to develop that particular mindset? How do you want to, if you're at a five, how can I take it up to a six or a seven or an eight? And it also has a habit tracker because nothing changes overnight, right? Um, it, there's, there's a lot of information in there for them to set themselves up for small successes and build on that. So how do you s secure support? How do you set a goal for yourself? How do you, for that particular mindset uh, and a habit tracker to say, are you living up to your own commitments to yourself to see how you're doing in that? So I've laid it out for, say, about 10 days. But you know what? You can take that same sheet, photocopy it, empty, or print out a fresh one and start with day number 11. Right? Well, that is awesome. Thank you. And you, um, you have, I'm going to put all your details um, in the show notes as, as per usual. Um, but you also have a Facebook group and it's, uh, it's uh, so facebook.com slash group slash design you community, uh, where you can be in a community with other people who are dealing with the same things are in a, di a different states of recovery. So you can really find a community and find some support because I bet these narcissists make you feel so alone and so separate and so isolated. isolated. Yeah. So the other thing, the, the community actually has different units. So again, where you can identify, are you at a victim stage? Are you at a survivor? And survivors has three different levels. And what can you do to actually progress for, uh, from your recovery? That's also there in the community page Wonderful. as self-help for those who want to take it. Wow. Thank you so much, Tripta. You are awesome. And, you know, I'm sorry that you had this experience, but you know what? There is nothing better than somebody who has struggled and suffered and is now offering healing and support for those in that same position. Um, you and I are alike in that regard. And, uh, and, and I really appreciate you uh, sharing with everyone. So thank you for being here and thank you for that gift. I know there's going to be lots of people who are going to take advantage of that. Thank you. I hope so. Thank you so much.
Thank you for listening to this edition of my podcast, Parenting Our Future. I'm parent coach Robin McMahon, and if you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with someone who you think might also need to hear this message. And don't forget to subscribe, and if you like my work, I'd be grateful if you gave me a five-star rating. For those of you who like my content and want more, visit me at yellingcurebook.com to get your copy of my book and to find other resources to help you. Until next time, I am wishing you and your family peace and connection.